0: Father God, we just come before you, Father God, and just, just, we just ask that you father us, God, that just, just, yeah, that we're just here, we're just here with you, you just, and you're just, and we're just, and we're trying to be just, but we're unjust, and we just, we just come before you, Father. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode number something of Catching Foxes. <laughs> uh, we've recorded so many of these in Lulu's wedding, I can't remember. <laughs> what is that? Are we at th- 12 or 13?
1: This is episode 12, Mr. Gorman. Episode, episode 12. 12.
0: Is nope, this is episode 13. Yeah, the, oh my gosh, 13. 13. What? That's the year I lost my virginity. <laughs>
1: uh, wait, is it? No. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. no, I've never lost my virginity. I'm you know, still I remember a virgin, being... even
0: though I've been married for six years and I have four kids.
1: <laughs> Say what? Uh, I remember being 13 and being in class. So I, I we, we I, blah, 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 blah.
0: back up. Beep.
1: My family, Beep. Beep. boop, boop, boop. So we moved out of Oakwood, the great town of Oakwood, for a year in To Beaver Creek, and it was horrible. We were like, screw this crap. Let me move it back to Oakwood. And during that year, I remember being in seventh grade and sitting ahead of this guy and this girl, and they were talking about all the stuff that they were doing, like how this girl was, like, hooking up with this guy and having, like, oral sex and all this stuff, and I was mortified, completely like, what are you people doing? And now I think back on it. That was 20 years ago. That's insane.
0: It, it, It startles me how much middle schoolers do sexually. Is that a thing? Like, are you still encountering this in your job, not doing youth ministry?
1: Um, I don't do a lot with junior high, so I haven't really heard that as, as much and everything else that I was doing with that for the most part was in school. So you don't hear it as much, but I think so. For what I've gotten from high school kids. Yeah. I don't think, I think adults now are starting to understand a little bit more, but I don't think back then uh, baby boomers don't have a clue how young it starts.
0: Yeah.
1: Generation X they're starting to, or they don't want to admit that it's probably happening with their kids yeah. i could be wrong
0: no my biggest thing is um i think we might have mentioned this before but with adult culture like they're like yeah pornography responsible adults we can handle this yeah violence yeah bad language blah 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 and then when we've lowered the standards of adult culture they don't realize that all these kids want to be adults so they just ape it but they have no brain cells you know <laughs> and so um you have these little Kids who are engaging in things like, you know, like oral sex, especially, is a huge thing in all the studies that I did when I was a youth minister. I mean, that was their number one um, sin. And so, uh, because they're not having intercourse, but they're doing all these other things. And uh, there's famous stories of like some girl uh, in middle school, uh, her sister walked in on her, caught her. And it was like nine boys, and she's on her knees for every single one of them, or something like that. Ugh. Or it was the other way around. No, it was the other way. It was one boy and like nine girls. And the the high school students were asked by their youth minister, who was also a substitute teacher, "What do you think about this?" And they all were like, "The girl should have locked the door." You know, it was like this, like what? You know, they were pissed off at the girl for getting caught, and one was pissed off at the mom would walk in, like it's her room; she has no right to be in there. <laughs> That's cr- <sighs> I don't get. Well, I don't get large chunks of the world today at all. I just don't get it.
1: I know. I, I. You know what's crazy is our. So our last episode was dark. I mean, it was. We went into some heavy stuff, and today. So we're, we're recording this the day of the Virginia shootings. Have you seen that?
0: I have not. Uh, I've been totally out of the loop. I'm up to my eyeballs in work, and so whenever mm-hmm. uh, I saw on Facebook, someone Ben was like, "No more." posting and reposting of this guy's video don't give it any more credence and i'm like what are they talking about so
1: it's effing horrible yeah it's just this is the second time in the past month that i've seen a video of a person being shot
0: oh the first time being the
1: the guy out in cincinnati yeah yeah Yeah. so mankind is dark we need hope we need jesus we need God. Like, I, I, I swear, we're at a point right now where I'm so tired of people wanting to catechize. I just want to scream, we need to talk about if God is real or not. Yeah, This is what I'm going to uh, get into. So one of the things, as you guys all know, that we really try to strive for is just being vulnerable and being honest and saying, like, this is where I'm at. And this is what I'm dealing with and having and trying to dive in that really having a conversation as opposed to here's this thing here's an answer everything's great kids uh Mm -hmm. i was praying in my car and as many of you guys know i have a job that involves catholicism and people and i'm in my car and i am praying and all of a sudden i'm hit with this utter realization that god is not real and it's all bullshit like that's that's honestly like what I thought. I was like, none of this is true, none of it, and just this utter emptiness of 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 almost discover. Like the only thing I could compare it to is, you know, when you've like say you've hurt Shannon feelings and you realize that you've hurt her feelings and just how horrible that feels. When you, it's, I almost I I used to explain to my students that's what purgatory is probably kind of like. This utter horrible realization of truth and the conviction and the purification that comes from that. I had that same, I had that exact same feeling except it was about God not being real. And all of a sudden I'm like, what do I do? Like, this is my job. My job is to go out there and to proclaim the gospel to others. My whole my like whole, all of my relationships are based on this. What am I going to do? How am I going to, and this is all a matter of like 10 the 20 seconds of just this horrible emptiness of being, like, none of this is real. I have a podcast that I'm like, what am I, am I, or I talk about this stuff where people are actually for some weird reason, paying attention to the things that me and my best friend had to say about this stuff. And none of it is real. And it was one of the worst things that I've ever
0: felt. Well, what happened? Take us through it. I just, How did it end? Just, Let me say that. Or did it?
1: It ended with uh, the resolution that I was going to keep going. That because one of the things that I've really begun to understand through prayer is that this is a thing I have to uh, I have to renew each day, and I have to be okay with those doubts because one of the things that I, honestly I have a very hard time with the resurrection. Now, before we get into this. One, the views I express here are not that of my employer. Two, (laughs) (laughs) um, I believe in the resurrection. But as a person who's experienced profound personal loss, both of my father, of the majority of my grandparents, and one of our very good friends – the resurrection is so hard for me to grasp sometimes because I love the idea. I love the idea of the resurrection. I love the theology behind the idea of Christ conquering death. I have such a hard time though, right now with where I am in my life, understanding the reality of a person rising from the dead. And how do I process that? I just, I don't know. Every day I just have to renew that faith. Honestly, I have to pray every single day and really dive into that and really go, this doesn't make sense sometimes. But I cannot deny what you've done for me in my past, what I see you doing right now. And, I just, and it, it's, I'll, I'll be honest, I once had a really great friend of mine who I would love to have on, on this show. He was a Protestant pastor. And he hit a point in time in his life where he says, I don't know if I really... Uh, Believe anymore, but I hope more. Like he goes, I'm about 48% doubt and around 52% hope. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. I I, I couldn't understand that because I was so for sure. Like, yes, it's all real. And when I, I allow myself to really let those doubts, when I started to acknowledge those doubts and really be okay with it. I went, oh, I identify with that way more than I could ever imagine. So a lot of times I cling to hope that knowing that so much of this, this has impacted my life so much that there's got to be something there. There's got to be some truth to all of this.
0: Yeah. uh, For me, um, my confrontation with doubt, you know, I think every believer, everyone that has faith because it is a trusting completely in what someone says that's been passed down. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't hear Jesus. The apostles heard Jesus, and they passed this down. And the great saints and the big sinners and all the, everyone in between, they, uh, throughout human history, have contributed to this thing, this enterprise that we call Christianity, that we call Catholicism. And so one of the biggest struggles that I have, and it's so funny that he says, like, I have a podcast. I have a job. And you don't want to admit this stuff is there have been times when – and it's – I don't want to sound like such a tool, but uh, the rapper Propaganda has this one one line in one of his songs where he talks about how much he's lying. And he's like, have you ever had those moments where you're like saying this stuff, like this Christian stuff, and in your mind you're like, do I – it's like a third-person conversation. Like, do you really believe this? You know, uh, well, I guess I'd be second person. Do you really believe this? Like the things you're saying, do you really mean what you're saying, or are you lying? And you know, it's like this struggle with lukewarmness. And I mean, it's your it's your name, Luke. Uh, this mm-hmm. Luke, <laughs> hello. Um, this lukewarmness that, I, like, I feel like doubt. Is kind of to this is going to sound really stupid because I'm just going off the fly off the cuff here, but um. Chicka what? (laughs) Have you ever done – like I give a lot of talks up front, um, audiences and stuff like that. And I draw – like I can be dead tired. Like there are many talks that I've given at 3 – where I've gone to bed at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning and then given the talk at 8.30. And I'm so dead until the talk starts and I'm feeding off the energy of the crowd and all that stuff. But the reason why I go to bed at 3 o'clock the night before is because I am rewriting and anxious about everything. And there is this energy – that comes with the anxiety that everything I'm about to do is a lark, It's uh, is, is crap, is everything that I'm about to do is a lie, is fake. I'm a fraud. People are going to find out what a fraud I am. And I literally throw away my entire – like every year I do a staff retreat for my pair of staff these last two years. And I've literally thrown away everything I was preparing and started over at around midnight from scratch with – five hours of new talks and new things to do and it happens to me because and it's not everything it's usually big events that involve like professional church christians you know not just the people in the pew but the people who get paid to put people in the pews and uh i i just get this but my talks i think on the other end are 20 times better and i feel like for um to not struggle with doubt is similar to what people ha- – they don't experience that anxiety that, that propels them into awesomeness. I don't think – so what I mean by this is like I tr- – I, I, intellectually, I believe in God. And I think you said something like God has done so much for me in the past. It has to be real. I don't think that that's like a coping mechanism. Like I think of an atheist where to hear that would be like, see, you're trying to fool yourself. That's not fooling yourselves. In the Old Testament, the single – other than the phrase fear of the Lord, the single most central word to the Old Testament religion was the word remember. And it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. – you're and I, actually I remember telling you this when you were like a, a senior or a super senior in college. When you were, when you were, or maybe it was when you left the Virgin Islands, um, you were like really struggling with this stuff. And I said, just remember what God did for you. Like, just remember those moments of healing, those moments of where you walked with God in the cool of the day. It's not that you're supposed to forget the present suffering, but let that present, um, temptations to doubt enter into you. Like, take those seriously. Like St. Teresa of Lisieux, girl, died at 24 years old. Her parents are canonized. She lived in a convent since the age of 15, getting permission from the Pope to enter a year early. This woman was nestled in the bosom of a robust and serious Catholicism. And her words were, um, here's her exact words, I am assailed by the worst temptations of atheism. (laughs) And You're like, wait, no. No, 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 (laughs) no. Like, you can't, like, you're the one person who's not allowed to. You're a saint. You're the patron saint of missions for crying out loud, even though you never left the cloister. But the whole thing is like, we, every believer, is threatened by uncertainty, right? We have that (laughs) moment where we feel like, and this is from Cardinal Ratzinger, where uh, introduction to Christianity, we're like, the whole floor could just open out from underneath us and there's nothing there, you know? And I think every human, you know, famously Batman, right? I stared into the bl- the abyss. The difference between me and you is you blinked. That's that's from a Batman cartoon where he's fighting an alternate universe's version of himself. It was awesome. Mm. Okay, uh, but that 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 notion I think gives gives shape to the. It's like a faith is like the light, and the doubt or the uncertainty is the the darkness. That when you stare directly into a light, it causes you know, like when you look at the sun, like your periphery starts to get really dark or when you stare into a blinding light, like you can't see, that's why I call it a blinding light. Well, that's what God is like. And when we, when we have these, God gives us these outlining edges of light, but then in the middle of it, especially when shit is hitting the fan in our lives, it's like, well, are you even there? Do you even care? I'm doing all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. And we throw, you know, look at all this violence, look at all this suffering. Do you even care? Are you even listening? Do you even pay attention? None of these people deserve to die. The woman on camera did not deserve to die. The cameraman did not deserve to die. And we do all this stuff. I think that that, I don't know, like – see again, I said I know I'm going off the cuff and I'm – this is going to – but that uncertainty, that darkness and the uncertainty, we are always supposed to live with that. The uncertainty makes us cling to the cross even more, not less.
1: And I've had to – I've had to be okay with that, which I think – it's not easy, and I, I think at times when I'm on Facebook and everyone is and – I, and I don't I, – I'm getting a little bit tired of uh, hipster Christianity. Like the whole like Facebook stuff is stupid, man. You got to really love the Lord and love people and blah, 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 blah. Um, I feel like a lot of that – Please give me 27 funny. likes on Instagram. Exactly. (laughs) Like on my Catching Foxes page, we need critical mass. Uh, (laughs) So I need a shower. I mean, there have been so many times I've come this, I mean, so close to changing my religion on Facebook to agnostic. And I can remember going to – when I was out in – so I moved to Eureka, California. Like a week and a half after my dad died. It was insane. I flew in there, got in at 11 30. I was teaching at like nine o'clock the next morning. Just the craziest thing ever. One of the best things that I've ever done. But at the time I hated everything about my life. I mean, I like I literally hated my life. Uh and I remember that whole year just being so up and down, like, I don't know if this is real. And I'm teaching religion classes. And I'm like, how am I teaching this? I wasn't. I was barely praying. I was just so. what's interesting? I wasn't really angry at God. Just, uh, I, I guess the only kind of word I could really come up with is disenchanted. Just very like, I, I what what is this? What what? Uh, uh. Uh, like that that's that's the sound still, that. was
0: is this still a thing?
1: Really? Yeah. Like, are we really still doing this? Um, and, you know, I was in a, I was at a horrible place. It was like the fattest I've ever been. I was like 320 pounds. No one really understands how fat I was. Uh, I just look like, um, as my sisters would say, you look swollen. Um, <laughs> just the weirdest thing. And I remember being on the phone with uh, one of my ex-girlfriends who was just an amazing a support during that time. And she just goes, and I was really just, I was putting it all out there and I will never forget this. Uh, She said, what a grace, like God's giving you this grace to where you can teach these classes and do all this stuff and still keep going, even though you're not doing anything to really support yourself. I mean, I was barely going to mass at that point in time. Yeah. Because I was just so like, I can't keep doing this. And It's just, it's insane. And that's one of the things that I always point back to is like, I went through that and God, and I'm somehow, I'm still here. You know, I mean, I can remember just so many times that I was just like, whatever, I'm done. And then just something in my heart. I'm like, I can't deny that this is, you know, there was this band during that time that I loved named a gasoline heart. I really recommend you go and check them out. Uh, and it's basically a guy. I cut him like a host, a Christian rocker who almost got big, who basically had a band about everything, and who talks about stuff that happens after you're a Christian rock star. And so it's very much just about like I'm drunk and I feel empty, or God's barely there, and he has this beautiful song on uh, their album. Uh, of course, from John a Blank, and but it's the first song on that. Oh, it's called um, "Everything's Worse" or on oh, something like that it's just like him and his guitar and uh he goes uh, last night I spoke with God he remembered the things that I forgot everyone has their shit he pled his case hugged my neck and kissed my face and I remember just really almost taking that up to prayer just being like you're with me during this you know what's going on here and that's all I got Sorry, I just rambled on and on about that. No,
0: I mean I, as, this is important because I think, especially those of us who do ministry, we're always supposed and this is part of the problem that we've been talking about since episode one. We're always supposed to look like we have it all together, all together, mm-hmm. for the sake of the marginal and the unbeliever and the, you know, we're supposed to be like, right, how many times have people said, you know, I don't know about this God, but but look at the way he lives his life, or what do, you know, people came up to me on the street and said, What do you have that I don't have? And there have been times in my life where that has has led people closer to Christ. I don't know if I've ever converted anyone with my joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where down in my heart? But uh, <laughs> yo tengo goza, goza, goza mi corazon. <laughs> Donde? Si señor, si señor,
1: si senora.
0: Senora? You turned God into a lady. I don't there know. I'm sorry. Sinner. Um. But the you know uh, the, but you always have this this kind of pressure put on you to not just be, not be perfect. I don't think people expect that, but to look at least the part, you know, uh, to, to fake it until you make it kind of thing, you know, but this, mm-hmm. the, but like it wears you out putting up these veneers this whole time, wearing the facade or the mask. Um, and it wears you out. And, but this is the thing that I think, um, is the healing, right? So we, we talk about talking, uh, we mentioned in the past, Talking about those moments where in our lives we struggle and we harped on pornography and a lot of people have reached out to us um, saying that that episode was really important to them. And the whole point of us saying that was like when you're broken and share that and you're vulnerable, that's where like true friendships can begin. That's where these bonds can really start to form. That's where healing can come in and all this stuff. But the other thing is this. The other thing is sharing our brokenness when it comes to belief right? Not when it comes to, you know, um, you know, addiction, addiction of compulsive behaviors and all this stuff. But when it comes to actual, not morality, but the very act of faith in Christ. And there are moments in my faith where like, I just am so filled with God that, I, I mean, I, I feel like I must, I must radiate and got every time I walk by someone, I got to put a veil over my face because I'm just glowing. And there are moments when I feel like, even when I'm you know, free from sin, free from things that, you know, free from sin in a relative manner. But like, I'm not caught up in like bad thoughts, bad ways of thinking. It's not, but I just feel nothing. Or I I am tempted with just like what you said, like you're sitting there and you're like, what if it's all a lie? What if, what if that really is just a piece of bread? You know, and I don't have to convince myself And play this game that it's—I know it tastes like bread, it looks like bread, and it smells like bread, but it's really God, you know. And instead, I can just be like, "No, that's bread." We're all playing a game. Wake up, people, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But the—the thing that honestly that really helped me was this book from Cardinal Ratzinger that I read when I was a freshman. It's called Introduction to Christianity.
1: For the most part, in my parents' basement, by the way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Over four days. Oh man, the basement at the time. So literally, I we slept. We Drank Coca Cola, we played Star Wars Pod Racer on the N64, and, and I read that book while you listened to supertones and I listened to deftones. Um, but <laughs> and that's actually true. Um,
1: but what ended Multiple up, super tones. what he ends
0: up saying is he says, and this is the thing that I think is most helpful. This is what I'm getting at the believer is tempted to uncertainty. Right, and the unbeliever is temp- the atheist is tempted to uncertainty in his position. Right, so the the thing for the positivist you say to him, but is this really all there is? Like at, at the end of the day, it is nothing but whirling atoms, and you can't be you cannot be one hundred percent sure that it is just whirling atoms. I remember the famous interview between Ben Stein and the atheist philosopher Richard Dawkins of the God delusion. He said, like, how sure are you? And he's like, oh, pretty sure. And he's like, could you give a percentage? And, of course, Richard Dawkins thinks it's absurd. But he's like, I'm like 97%. See, that's the funny thing is that 3% is a big freaking 3%. Because that's Mm -hmm. what it all hinges. Like, well, what if – it's not necessarily, well, what if that really is the Eucharist for many atheists. It might just be what if positivism, that is the assertion that only the natural sciences can know anything right? All the, it's just positive science. You know, that's all that we believe. What can be demonstrated clearly through the empirical method and empirical sciences, and that's it. But the empirical sciences can't prove that statement, right? So when someone says, uh, like uh, Stephen Hawking says, yeah, like, we no longer need philosophy because we have the truth of the natural sciences, math, mathematical physics, physics, et cetera. Um, that's all we need. To really understand the world around us, but what he just said was not a mathematical or physical statement. What he just said was a philosophical statement, right, so we still need philosophy in order to understand so the thing is the positivist is still tempted by belief, yeah, maybe there is something more maybe i might maybe there is an afterlife where the things I do here have meaning forever, maybe there is. Something really called goodness and evilness. And I feel it in my bones when I hear about, you know, serial killers or Hitler or something like that. And yet, and yet, no, 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 no. I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to believe, you know? Mm -hmm. And so he just, Ratzinger just concludes, this is the dilemma of being a man, of being a woman. Like, that's it. If you really want to get out of uncertainty, you have to stop being alive. (laughs) Like, that's (laughs) it. Because the possibility of belief rests on... The truth and we can't know the full truth about everything, right? So for the, the uncertainty of – he calls it the uncertainty of belief and the uncertainty of unbelief. Like we, we are just human and that's part of it. But the good thing about our God is just as he broke into history 2,000 years ago, he, our corporate history, he wants to break into our individual history and our job is to remember, to freaking remember those times when I felt like I was glowing. And let the glow keep you sustained when you feel like you're in darkness.
1: You know, and I've had to be okay. And, I, and, I'm, it's, and this is really hitting me while you are talking, which is such a Christian-y thing to say. My heart is stirring. It's
0: burning. I'm just entering into the words. I'm entering into the words
1: <sighs> you, that you're saying. You know, I'm having like an Emmaus moment right now where like, my heart's burning.
0: Can we just stop and pray the prayer of Jabez?
1: Let me just pour into you really quick.
0: No, that is offensive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh,
1: that I took it somewhere. It didn't need to go. It needed to go there. <laughs> um, you know, there have been times I've wanted. Okay. Two things. One, there've been times I've wanted to scream to people that I love, especially, especially some people who I know are probably actually listening to our podcast. I just want to go. I swear to you, this is all real. Like I swear to you, when we went to those conferences, when we experienced those things, when we were at youth group, the the faith that we that we inherited, that we learned. I swear to you, it's actually true, and it's more amazing than you could possibly imagine. And then there are times when I go, when I'm in church, and I leave, and my prayer is, honestly, it's this, and it's from a trailer from a movie that I never saw with a Christian Biel and he's a Vietnam vet who escapes and he sees these planes overhead and he goes, Oh, please be real. And there are times when I've been a math. I've been like, I've thought of that line where I just go, please be real. <laughs> I you have to be real. Please be real. And, and one of the things that I'm learning is I have to be okay with God doesn't necessarily resolve. And what I mean by that is, the things in my life, the things that I'm experiencing, God doesn't resolve those things to a nice, you know, wrapped package. And then everything just continues on from there. It keeps going almost like waves on it, on, you know, on a beach. And at times uh, the tide is extremely high. And at times the tide is, is extremely low and being a, di- and being a, a disciple, means to keep going regardless of where the tide's at
0: yeah c.s lewis has this awesome line where he says um the like the most dangerous quish, christian not Christian, uh the most the most dangerous question um <laughs> marriage <laughs> mallet okay every time i try to be serious i undo my own seriousness um
1: because i have to throw in something i love
0: you because i'm needy because <laughs> i'm because i'm needy i'm broken there's darkness please be real um there's this line from C.S. Lewis where he says the most dangerous Christian is the one who looks about the world for evidence of God and upon finding none still believes. Now what he's not <clears> saying <throat> is the Christian is the one who has pulled the wool over his eyes to the point where even if he doesn't see any reason to believe in God, you know, meaning reasonable evidence, he says, you know what? I'm going to ignore truth and reason and reality and believe in God. What he's saying is there's all of this brokenness and yet we can still believe in an all-good God. And in his heart, because he's experienced, he's encountered the living God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of fire, the God of Jesus, because he's experienced that, not just an intellectual about-type knowledge. I know about God. um, Because he has that experience, he can rest. He can cling to that real experience and then judge everything else from that. You know? Like, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. I know. Like, for me, my... Big struggle with atheism really was when I was in high school. I was going to totally walk away from the faith. I stopped praying the Nicene Creed at Mass. This is how much of a hypocrite I am. I thought, I'm going to assert myself, my own identity. I'm not going to pray the Nicene Creed because I'm authentic. And... I'm not going to say I believe in this when I don't know if I believe in this. I still went to communion, (laughs) mind (laughs) you. The most important thing done at a mass, I still went to communion because I was ashamed of the way people would look at me You know, like, oh, there's Michael Gormley not going to communion. Um, But but I wouldn't say the creed until I felt like I knew. And I struggled so much. And really for me, for other people, they have different things about atheism. But for me, my path to atheism was straight through suffering. How could an all good God who is all powerful let its contrary exist? Evil. How could that even exist if he's all powerful? If he's all good, he'd want to get rid of evil. If he's all powerful, he could get rid of evil, but evil exists, therefore there's no God. And that was my whole thing. Like, I, to this day, that remains like I hear it in so many teenagers' voices when they describe specific incidences. You know, I was raped when I was younger. That was what one girl said to me. And you're like, and she's like, where was God? And I was like, and the thing that I've learned that might not be help to that person in that circumstance, at least, you know, while we're having that conversation. Because we want we want to say why, and then we want someone to say, this is why. Like, very clearly, this is why. But that God God does not do that. Like, there's never one part in the Bible where you say, why am I suffering? And God says, oh, oh, oh. This is why you're suffering. Uh, you, your grandparents sinned um, about 50 years ago, and God is visiting this punishment down to you two, three, five generations. You know, you're all going to have birth defects and all. You know, when you scream out why, that, that doesn't ever happen except once when about this blind man that Jesus heals. Um, and it says uh, you didn't sin, your parents didn't sin, but this is for the, so that God may be glorified. And that's very mysterious because in that line it means because I'm going to heal you and give God glory. But in this, in taking it in a wider context, it's like, listen, suffering exists and God's goodness exists. But at the same time, it's it's going to be for his glory. And I struggle with that so freaking much until I realize one thing. That the great story of God is that he chose a people who constantly suffered. And he didn't, he wasn't a strange like he didn't go to Rome. He didn't go to Persia, right? He didn't go to Egypt. He went to the people that were sacked by the Persians, dominated by the Romans, and owned as slaves by the Egyptians. He went to the Israelites who out of the 12 tribes, one basically survived, the Judahites, or what we call them today, the Jews, and he became Jewish. He entered in so far into this that Scripture says, like, the great Messiah was going to conquer the world, this conquering king. He's known as the suffering servant, and let me tell you his story. And it's nothing but, like, suffering. And I used to hang <laughs> on to, like, Isaiah 53, right, crushed for our offenses, pierced through for our faults, like, all this stuff. And I would hang on to that, and then I realized this one truth That in the middle of suffering, God doesn't take it away. I wish, you know, just take it away. That's what we want. But Christ suffers with us. And that line, Christ suffers with us, is to me like if there's an ocean of doubt, an ocean of uncertainty, a turbulent sea threatening to swallow you whole, then that statement, Christ suffers with us, is like... You know, the wood from the broken ship, and we're clinging on to it, and it happens to be the cross, you know, and we're holding on to the cross floating at midnight in the middle of this raging ocean, but that's enough to keep us, to keep us going. Christ suffers with us. Christ is crucified in the refugee camp. Oh, wouldn't you know it? He was a political refugee. Christ is crucified in the poor. Oh, wouldn't you know it? Christ lived the life of the poor and the marginalized, the forgotten, the alien foreigner, the, you know, the migrant worker, the conscripted laborer, like all of this. And then the political, um, you know, political prisoner and then ultimately the murdered innocent one. And you see all of this stuff and you're like, wow, when God decided to become a man he didn't like win the lottery own all the property he was poor penniless died giving everything away i don't have to be afraid of the suffering like there's meaning in it i don't i don't know what that meaning is but i don't have to be afraid of it as if i'm alone in it anymore
1: when you encounter that in a person, is a beautiful thing. It's,
0: it's 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 literally the sign of contradiction in the world. You're like you have a smile on your face, you're at peace, but everything else is falling apart. How do you do it?
1: And it, it reminds me a lot of my dad, which I think is why when I struggle with doubt, I never go back to the idea of there's so much there's so much evil. How could you? How could you let this happen? Because I saw. Because so, um, I, th- I believe we talked about this. On the last episode, but for everyone that does not know, my dad was disabled for my en- entire life. I saw him suffer in ways. I mean, I, I've before he died, I saw him. I mean, I remember we were in junior high and he had to go to the emergency room, and the doctor called my mom saying, "Your husband's um, his kidneys are about to collapse. Like he's there's a good chance that he could die." Like just I saw him bear just incredible, horrible things. And still have a faith. And I was able to see God in that in a way. And it was. So that. It's interesting. Like that was never hard for me to. that I could always accept that. Because I saw. My dad's love of God. And I saw. And I saw how. I mean his prayer life. And the things that he experienced were insane. And the. He knew Christ was with him. Every step, he never, he, not once did I ever experience my dad being like, I, I he never had desolation, which is insane if you think about what he went through. Yeah, the I mean, one just, man
0: who had every excuse
1: absolutely absolutely yeah Yeah. you know and and you know like i hear i've heard stories of now of like when i've asked my mom or him as an adult it's like yeah there were some really crazy hard times you know like that just like wow that sounds and there were you know and there were absolutely times that i saw my and i'm talking about i mean there were times where i saw my dad truly suffer to a point of tears and just and being like i don't know how to handle this how do i handle this right now um but to be able to say that 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 spiritually he never was like, guys, I just we can't do this religion thing right now. That was never a, that that was never an option. It just never, you know. I mean, even up until the time that he died, it was always like, of course this is real.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Of course this is all all true. And this, I mean, he suffered tremendously um, in so many different ways. Um ways that I don't, um, that I, I can't even go into to, I'll be quite honest with you. And the fact that he kept going, I don't know. It, I I mean, when he died, we each got to spend a couple minutes along with him. And I remember I, like I, I sat there and, and, you know, like I've, I've seen this in movies countless times. And so for when it actually happens to you, when I'm, you know, in a room with uh, my father's body just saying my, uh, my own goodbyes, it's weird. It's almost a surreal thing. And I only, and I, and I, I was crying, but not really. I was, and I just, I felt the weird, the crazy part. This is so insane. I felt so grateful. Like, I just, I remember, like, I sat and I was like, thank you for my faith. You gave me the greatest thing anyone could give me. And that was my faith. Like, thank you. And that's the power of suffering. You know, we we talk about, um, I mean, I grew up always hearing about redemptive suffering. It was like as common in my house as, um... The 11 o'clock news, that idea that my dad's suffering had a purpose, that it was offered up, that, you know, that he truly like wanted his pain to have a purpose. And so to be able to see that, I mean, honestly, I think that's that's that is one of the reasons why I go. I can't deny that. I can't deny that that was true. I don't have anything else to say about that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, I, I do. I just feel like I've been going on and on and on. This is part of the discussion that's not instruction. You know, it's like (laughs) you sit there and you think about all these big times when you struggle with – not with this or that teaching of the faith but with faith itself. Um, And you realize I think doubt is a supreme doubt or questioning or living with uncertainty or whatever you want to say. Is the fire by which a better faith is forged – is the is the very thing that makes us more perfect in our faith, is not ignoring the uncertainty, but in fact embracing it. I mean, I don't – I'm so sick and tired of people saying like things like religion is the opiate of the masses and things like that, like, mm-hmm. oh, you're so weak, that's why you believe in God. Because when you look at people who – the saints who had heroic levels of faith, you find that they are capable of much more heroic things than people who didn't – have that level, who might have called themselves Christians, but didn't have that level of surrender. And that's what faith is. We got to remember that faith is not just an intellectual thing. Whenever we talk about faith, like we need faith formation. What does that mean? Tell them stuff. Faith Mm -hmm. is this theological virtue, but it's, it's where we put our entire trust in God. Like you are telling me things that I don't know, that I haven't seen for myself, but because I trust you, I can believe it. Right, That's the whole point. That's like the reasonableness of belief. Belief and faith, that's not anti-reason. It's super rational. It's above reason. And what we mean by that is like, like for instance, I, my car didn't start two days ago. Put my keys in, turn it. it. doesn't start. Turned it halfway. Radio came on, all that stuff. So it's not the battery.
1: It's the worst.
0: Right, and especially since last month I spent $2,500 fixing my car. Oh,
1: so was
0: it the alternator? No, I have no clue what it is. I'm just sad. Uh. It's sitting in my driveway,
1: <laughs> covered uh. in
0: sadness and man tears. Um, but uh, when we, if I were to take it to a mechanic, and I know, like you know, mechanics are such a black box because their stuff is so specialized, and you're like, you know, what's a line from Seinfeld? It's a Janssen rod. What's a Johnson rod? You know. But if you go to a mechanic that you trust, then you know that uh, that. The, You trust their skill and their honesty and then they walk up to you and be like, well, you see, uh, it's not the alternator. It's actually the – and they tell you these things that you don't even know and you're like, okay, uh, go fix it. (laughs) Here's my Mm -hmm. money. Make it go-go. And the reason why we can believe them is not because we've seen it with our own eyes but because he's seen it with his own eyes and we have a relationship whereby we trust him, right? That's the origin of human belief. You could not go to school, you could not learn things in classrooms and from textbooks if this did not exist. It's the what we call the fiduciary knowledge. It's the knowledge that is faith-based. All knowledge ultimately is faith-based because at least the origins of it, that is teaching and learning and all that stuff, comes from someone else who has seen. And because they've seen and we trust them, we hear it and we believe. Now, that doesn't make your intellect smaller that actually makes it much, much bigger because now you can grow in knowledge from what other people know, right? And But you, the only way you can grow in that knowledge is if you believe what they say is true. And the only way you'll believe what they say is true is, number one, you trust that they, have, they know what they're talking about. And number two, they're not going to deceive you. And so when it comes to Christianity, the cool thing about Christianity is when you look at a lot of religion's holy books, they're like collections of wise people's sayings, right? This on, you know, chapter one, we're going to talk about this. Chapter two, we're going to talk about that. But Christianity, it's not – when you think of the Bible, don't think of the Bible as a book. All right? We've lost, you know, a lot going from Latin into the vernacular and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. but The word Bible means collection of books or a library, right? Because it's actually 73 books, Catholic version. The Catholic version is like the director's cut with all the special features. Um but the uh it was a joke and you didn't laugh. Sorry, I was. It was just no. I, I stole the the joke that joke from my heart. It's okay. You don't sorry, have to I, it was just friend. it just dawned on me that I believe the
1: French word for library is bibliothèque, and I was like, huh, and I was like rolling that around in my head, going, whoa, that's crazy, and then I totally miss your joke.
0: <laughs> El pantalones in biblioteca. But I did hear you
1: say of a vichyary, and then I laughed at the word douche. Go on.
0: <laughs> I expect nothing less from you, Luke. And honestly, I expect nothing more. Um, that's how roll. There you go, Luke. What? Hmm? Did you? What did you just say?
1: Mm-hmm. I said, "Uh, that's how roll." Okay,
0: good. I just want to make sure you said your last name on our podcast. Oh shit, son <laughs> of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> But I was saying something I mean, good here, wasn't I, fiduciary knowledge. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm oh, no, 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 no. But The Bible, the Latin being lost, blah, blah, blah. The Bible is books. Don home. The Bible is books. It is a collection, not just of wisdom of what we actually there's, – there's a bundle of it called wisdom literature. But most of it is these narratives that are historical in nature, but they're like encounters with the living God. Right? That's what – that's why these books are sacred. They're sacred not because some guy went up into a mountain and wrote down a bunch of really awesome stuff and then you know I fasted for 16 years and here you go. It's not the wisdom from men. It's like and, – and, and this is why I think it's so important that the Bible is confusing, <laughs> why the Bible makes us go, wait, what the hell is going on? Because – It is the encounter of the infinite God with finite men and women.
1: You know, I had the hardest. I I can remember being in our scripture class in college where uh, at the time he was Aaron Little. Now he is Father John. And he had us, and we were going through a lot of the old, the um, Old Testament. That's the part where Noah's daughters got him drunk and had sex with him. And I remember being like, "I'm done. I'm done." Just like I, I did not complete it. I said, "I will take the bad grade on this quiz. I can't go. I can't do this right now."
0: And then, were you wearing your "God is not an American" T-shirt in that class?
1: No, I'd put that away after 9/11. So, but I this is oh, what when I would so go it lived to.
0: for like two weeks at school. Okay. <laughs>
1: Do you remember when we – yeah, I know, right? Do you remember when we had that class where we had a free laptop and I was never there?
0: Oh, best class ever. <laughs> Guys, you have to realize in our lives, so much technology has changed so fast. But Seriously. at our school, they had high-speed internet, but it was all uh, Ethernet except for a handful of spots that had Wi-Fi. And in one class, they gave you – for the class, you had a, a IBM ThinkPad and – we camped outside so that we as freshmen could get that class our spring semester. And then because one of us checked our mailboxes, they said so many people have registered for this class, int- survey of computer sciences, that we've decided to open up another class. But this other class will only have the laptops. And so we all registered and all these like juniors and seniors didn't get it because they didn't check their mailboxes. Suckers. Why did I that was such a pointless story. I know. sorry. Wow! <laughs> we, we, I was so sorry. excited to tell a story about how I got a laptop with Wi-Fi. I
1: just remember going like so much kaza and going into the library and just <laughs> Morpheus, that's what I kaza,
0: found. The, we witnessed the end of Napster. It was a <laughs> wonderful, terrible. Scary oh, time. gosh!
1: All right, we were. Are we? Um, are we trying to? have we resolved the unresolvable?
0: Yes. Well, I mean, I just, I just want to say so one say. last thing: the believer and the unbeliever share the same struggle with doubt and belief right? As long as they don't hide from themselves, as long as they don't run away from it. But faith for us as Christians is not some secret esoteric knowledge. Faith is the struggle with the revelation of God, right? That God actually did. The reason why we believe in these things is because God came and encountered humanity. And people down through the ages have passed that real knowledge that they saw, passed that on to us through what we heard, right? So you got the idea of the apostles have seen, right? You remember to me the 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 perfect image of our modern age is the doubting Thomas painting by Caravaggio, right? So you have him and he's like, yep, terrified, staring at Jesus, and Jesus like guiding his hand into his side, and he's holding up his other one, you know, with the holes, and you know Thomas the the scriptures talk about how the apostles were like he's alive and Thomas wasn't there and he's like I'm never going to believe unless I shove my fingers into his into his hands and into his side like I I saw him brutally murdered you don't come back from that right if you want to talk about belief being the opiate of the masses they did believe something in that upper room they believed that he was dead it wasn't hysteria their belief was Oh, shit, we put our all of our chips into this one basket. And he was just, he's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's everything. And he's dead. And we saw him brutally die. And, and then they're like, okay. Well, some people are like, no, this has to be real. You know, please be real. Please be real. But they just hid. They didn't walk around like... Don't worry, he's coming back. They didn't have signs and walk through the streets of Jerusalem. He's coming back, you know. They didn't do. It. They were terrified, and other people just went home. They're like, "It's over. It's done. Quit fooling yourselves. It's over." So they did have beliefs at that moment. They believed that he was dead. Then when Jesus appears to to Thomas, Thomas screams out, "My Lord and my God!" Like his belief is his unbelief is gone. He sees him with his eyes. And then Jesus is like, oh, no, we're doing this. We're doing this whole thing all the way. Take your finger and shove it into my wound right here into my side. (laughs) He's like, no, I get it. I get it. Into the side. Okay, we're doing this. Okay. (laughs) But the whole point of that, he ends it with, you believe because you've seen, but blessed is the one who has not seen yet still believes. And so then the whole shift of the church turns on that moment where it's like Jesus goes up, right? The ascension and all that stuff happens. But the whole trajectory of the church is proclamation he sends the apostles to proclaim to say with words and in a demonstration and power like of the power of the holy spirit to go and say it and people hear it and respond and that's why belief and faith and hearing and seeing and doing that's why all this stuff matters so much is because are the apostles trustworthy and if they're trustworthy then is what they're saying the truth can I trust them when they say, I've? listen, I know it's unbelievable. I didn't believe it until I shoved my fingers into his sides. Now, you know what? I'm kind of convinced. If a guy can tell me he's going to die by crucifixion and then he's going to rise again and then he pulls it off, you know what? I'm going to believe that guy. That guy's God. Whatever.
1: You know, and that's a really good take on that, um, on that story because I think a lot of times we wash over the doubting – Thomas idea of I can yeah, silly Thomas he didn't believe that that a man he saw brutally killed could do a thing that no one had ever done before jokes on him yeah, <laughs> yeah we must have better faith than 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 him and it is like no that's like there's more to it than that yeah. like it's okay like and ent- be the doubting Thomas but then
0: You know, like what I, I mean, it's ask, I don't know. No, 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 you're right. That's it. Like, and it's not like, okay, so the, the, if you're going to go technical with church language, doubt is a sin against faith. Right. But what we mean by like, that is uncertainty, like don't pretend getting more faith doesn't happen by pretending the uncertainty isn't there. I think that's what, that's really what I was trying to say earlier,
1: Mm -hmm. getting
0: more faith deals. How do you be faithful in the midst of this uncertainty?
1: Well, and I think when people hear, um, the blessed are they who have not seen, but still believe they, I don't know, like at times I'm actually, I'm just I'm going to say this is, this is me, not they like I hear that. And I go, so then should I not doubt like, what is, what does Christ actually mean when he says that is it that if you don't doubt you are better, you are more special or whatever.
0: Well, I mean, I think he's saying more than anything else that those of us who come after the apostles, who never got to see Jesus walking, you know, on the water or multiplying bread or any of that stuff, we never witnessed that, but we believe anyway. So we have the blessing, right? I mean, just think about it. how much easier would it be to believe in Jesus if he just appeared to you, you know, wearing the 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 white undershirt with the red sash. Mm -hmm. And the sacred heart on the outside of its chest set on fire. You know, you'd like unmistakably Jesus and he does some amazing, you know, miracle thingy. And we're like, okay, I believe now that would be easy. But people say that like, we we just had a a friend uh, seminarian David over at our house and godfather to my boy Noah. And um, we had dinner with him. And I just remember a conversation that we had back in college where he was like, I would be a priest today. I would literally go into seminary today. If Jesus were to just appear to me and say, this is what I want you to do, you know, how Mm -hmm. do I deal with that? And I remember for me, for the longest time, I was struggling with my vocation and you just want to know. And so I said, uh, I read this line from Dr. Peter Kraft where he says, if God wanted you to know in a clear and infallible way, God would reveal it to you in a clear and infallible way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's one of those lines. in when you're like struggling with your vocation, you're like, well, shit. (laughs) <laughs> you're like, what am I, what am I supposed to do? What you're supposed to do with that is wait, pray, wait, be faithful. That is trust. Trust that the answer is coming, but it's not going to come to you like a truck hitting you in the face. Just go and do, and the God is going to lead you where you need to go. God doesn't give us a lighted highway in the middle of the night. God gives us headlights when we're driving down a back country road with no street lights. And all we do is trust that the road is there and we drive. With the headlights. Got faith is that headlight. I think that was from Annie Lamont. Anywho.
1: God is love and love is real.
0: But the dead are dancing with the dead. Ah.
1: Love that band. <laughs> all right. It's all music to you, isn't it, Luke? Hey, really quick, is that why you asked me if was invited to my wedding? Yeah, because he came over
0: and I just didn't want really to talk about it. I'm such an asshole. You are, but that's okay. Or he is. I really want to do it. No, he's not. I just we didn't have any room. Especially not for him
1: no i I, want, I wanted it he was like a, I was it killed me Ugh. um dude, that was awesome i enjoyed that like i'm really i really quick I'm, I'm gonna i'm going to go down this road and and this is not meant to be self congratulatory is that a word did I just make that no, up No, that's
0: a word it has a hyphen
1: damn straight in german it's Coenhagen dogs dogs can't talk right damn straight Uh, I am so happy that we do this for two reasons one I just love talking to you like it's been so great just to do this just just to talk and it's been so enriching like when we had the conversation with JD Flynn which if you have not heard that episode please do an open letter to JD Flynn it's flipping great I've thought so much about what he said so many, and it's really helped me in my own work and my own life and stuff. Uh And it's been so, like, these conversations have been so, I don't know, I've really, like, I, it's It's just been great. It's been just for me as in my walk with God as a person, hopefully making make me a better husband. Hopefully it's making me a better friend, blah, 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 blah. But the other part that... Because of other podcasts I've heard and things that I know, I was, I was kind of hoping would happen, but it's been really cool to to experience it. And I really hope that it keeps going is all of the feedback and the stuff we've gotten from all of our listeners. That's been flipping amazing. Yeah. I literally
0: never thought that would happen. <laughs> I was like, we're just going to record a bunch of shows, and then one day it'll peter out when we have the same – Tell the same jokes. and better than you. Over and over again. <laughs> die, <Luke>. Mr. Wayne. <laughs> Punch the keys. That will never die. ring <laughs> of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> the film that ended my career. <laughs> Entrapment. Entrapment. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Zeta-Jones.
1: <laughs> I was only 12 years older than Harrison Ford, yet I played his father.
0: this has been another fine episode of Catching (laughs) Vibes. Oh, man. No, keep the emails coming. We have – we got a priest writing stuff. We got some old college buddies who remind us that it's just like being in college again, which that was kind of the point. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. We really didn't care about if we hit anything of relevance. What we really cared (laughs) about was I got to stay up late with an excuse talking to you. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what's really I great? Don't, there was a bunch I'm of 20. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really great is... Um, Franciscan, if, if people listening to this, if you don't go to Franciscan University and you're like a rock solid Catholic and you went to you know some horribly demonic school like University of Texas and uh, you end up uh, thinking about you page, you end up hanging out at a table with c- people that went to Franciscan. It doesn't matter who's the majority in that conversation. The Franciscan students will first dominate the conversation and two alienate everyone else by three talking only about Franciscan experiences. And, and we do it by Inside Jokes. Hmm? We have... Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I am editing that out. <laughs> no, you're not. Yes. She's a listener. Edit it out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, edit out what I said, but not the part after that. Um, so one of the things I'm really excited about is next week, the episode you're going to for this is going to be an interview with two of our best friends who will be known as Dr. Adam and John. And you are literally not going to get half of it because it's going to be jokes from 14 years ago, but it will be glorious.
0: Yeah, I made the mistake of uh, someone said – Dr. Adam asked, what are are we going to talk about? And I said, you're going to talk about vaccines. And he's like, wait, that's what we're all talking about? I'm like, no, you. But I've been wanting to talk to him <laughs> about this stuff for so long. And so I was having dinner with a certain someone and I had said, I really want to talk to him about this because it just pisses me off how people are so – how young people today are so anti-vaccine. And the guy I was talking to was like, well, I uh... – I mean it's not that I'm anti-vaccine. It's just no one's – and I'm like, oh, no. But that's OK. Nah. Don't Uh, even for a second make those statements. (laughs) I know where this inside joke is going, and it's straight to hell. And we are moving along. Luke, Luke, I got to ask you a really important question. Yeah, man. What are you listening to?
1: Oh, uh, you know, I pulled that up. Oh, wait. Okay, before we do that, really quick. If people want to, if people would like to contact us, where can they do that? Not on Twitter or on Facebook like we always do. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, Probably the best way is to send me an email, gomer at layevangelist.com. Gomer at layevangelist maybe I'll put a contact form. I'll try to figure out how to do all that crap. I'll put a contact form on the podcast page so that both of us can get it
1: absolutely yeah because I've gotten a lot of great life feedback too for people um that are on Facebook and stuff, especially a lot of my old old buddies from high school talking to you Joel,
0: Ooh, uh, joel like, the man, man. This is um joel well one so one thing that people can do is go on our Facebook page you know that is if you have Facebook and you're not an ironic hipster um. And uh, go on our Facebook page, which is uh, Catching Foxes Podcast, um, and just leave us a note and uh, or send us a message, and we'll we'll use that. Um, make sure that you put the name that you want to read. Like if you have, maybe we'll just redact all last names. But uh, if you don't want us to say your name, don't write your name. That's weird. Um, so just ask a question, and then me and Luke will discuss, not instruct. Oh, I would. Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, please do
1: ask us stuff, guys. Like really, really hard stuff that we we probably don't have an answer to, like math. Exactly,
0: <laughs> uh, Luke here. Oh shit! said your name. <laughs> Luke. You know so awesome about.
1: <laughs> Luke, name redacted. <laughs> uh, you know what's great about Franciscan is the last math class I had was my pre-calculus class in twelfth grade. Never took one math class. Was able to take a computer science class. Then I had to do a long-term sub for geometry. And I was like, "Oh crap, man! Freaking Steubenville! I didn't have any math." And then I then while I was doing it, I was like, "Math is actually really fun." Yeah. All right. That at no point. No, I've never.
0: Out. I haven't done math since ninth grade.
1: <laughs> You're so ridiculous. That's The power
0: of homeschooling, my friend.
1: All right. What am I listening to? So there's an amazing You're listening song. To me
0: talking about geometry in ninth grade. That guy had no idea how to teach it, and so I had no idea how to do it. And you were like, screw this cool stuff. I'm going to be a priest. <laughs> and then I was like, screw
1: this priest stuff.
0: I want to get some
1: to the break of dawn. All right. Uh, so.
0: <laughs> what are you listening to, Luke?
1: <laughs> so Apple, my music hasn't
0: been working for me on my phone for some reason. But... Did you install the update? What? Did you install the update? It came out two days ago. Oh, two days ago? Yeah, 8.4.1. four point one. It'll. It's... I installed an update a while ago, eight point four point one is all about Apple. That's music. What I was Bugs in Apple. Well, music. I
1: thought I thought there was okay. I'll I'll see that because honestly, like, won't play now. So that might, that might be why. Um, but beforehand, so I think Apple Music's going to be. I think I'm going to get that because I can get that for me and Aaron, and we'll do Spotify as well. Uh, Jack, a guy named Jack Garrett, G A R R A T T. He has a song called the love you're given jack garrett the love you're given that i freaking love it's kind of r&b but more like alternative r&b with a little bit of avant-garde modern jazz in there it's flipping amazing do you feel cool when
0: you say avant-garde jazz
1: a little bit i feel but I, but it's true it that's what it is
0: what's his name i'm, I'm, his I'm name? sorry
1: avant-garde postmodern jazz uh jack garrett G-A-R-R-A-T-T. Flippin' amazing. The Love You're Given. I freaking love that song.
0: The Love You're Given. I'm trying to find it right now. The Love You're Given. This makes for great radio.
1: You're welcome, kids. And the best part is, I'm just drinking some good old ancient-aged rum. $11 here in the great state of Kentucky. Kentucky, where...
0: That's it? I love this. so good. Oh, it just keeps going. It's so good. It's not going to keep going on my playlist. Oh, it's so damn good. Deleted. You're such an asshole. I'm not an asshole. I listen to real music. Have you ever heard Sophia the First? Uh, no. Sophia the First is a children's show on Disney. She's a, the latest <laughs> plucky little princess whose mother was a seamstress and who fell in love with a widowed king, and he brought her into the castle. <laughs> <laughs> and every week you get to go on a magical adventure with her. And as my Apple Music will not load, so <laughs> I'm trying desperately <laughs> to play a Disney song by her. Oh, Let's see if we got it. Sophia the First. I want to be a good little witch. And they don't have it. Well, you know what? <sighs> what am I listening to? Honestly. Okay, so I'm going to edit all that out because I was stupid. <clears throat> no, I'm not. I'm still listening. I feel <laughs> weird. I'm still listening to propaganda like the the entire time. I'm just listening to him. I'm listening to him. I love the Daywalker song that he did with Lecrae. Um song Board of Education, um, Precious Puritans. Is literally the coolest music in the background of any song I've ever heard. Um, and then the song, um, Forgive Me For Asking, that was actually...
1: Oh, it's amazing. Oh, so
0: nice. But- you know what? You're able to play the whole thing if we talk about it. Oh, yeah? You just want me to hold it up while we talk about it? Can I rap no. along with him? No,
1: no, no. Just play it for a bit. But Like, we don't have to get permission if we talk about it. You never had questions.
0: Like, are you really buying this? Buying. Yeah. Anywho, I'm really, I really am. I listen to him and beautiful eulogy. I listen to them like all the time. Thank you, Kevin. One of our listeners, Kevin, Kevin F.
1: You know, I was supposed to hang out with him on Monday, but I didn't get a chance to because of wedding stuff. I feel bad.
0: Mm, don't feel bad. He's discardable.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, what's also very good. I, I keep harping this, but it's so damn good. The new Copeland album, Ixora oh gosh i just i can't even you know,
0: that's something i can listen to that's something that we can share i can't do avant-garde jazz i can't do okay
1: that. P- okay really quick for all, all all the kids we'll probably edit this out so who gives a fuck um <laughs> see what i did there play have play the first part of have i always loved you
0: i, I put my phone away i got like zero battery uh,
1: sorry um all right man where can people find you on twitter
0: wait shouldn't we close in a prayer
1: <laughs> father. Father God, that's how I always start prayers. Father God. Father God, that we I feel just
0: come before you, Father God, and just just we just ask that you father us, God, that just we just, just Yeah. 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 That we're just here. We're just here with you. You're just and you're just and we're just and we're trying to be just but we're unjust. And we just we just come before you, Father. I can't tell you how many times. Literally, I, I was dating a girl at Franciscan, and we wrote prayers for each other when we went our separate ways on different mission trips for spring break. Is there anything more stooby than that, right? I, we wrote That is so – wait, when did you do this? Uh, okay, so I sat in the Colby Clare Chapel, and she sat next to me. and you we were
1: such a loser. And
0: me and Annie wrote <laughs> prayers to each other. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And then she went to crap, where did she go? She might have gone to no, she mm, she might have gone to Honduras, which is funny because I now help oversee a mission trip that goes to Honduras in conjunction with Franciscan. Um but from my parish. Uh so I think she I think she went to Honduras and then I went to Sun Live and uh Sun Live. So we wrote these hey. prayers and she literally wrote Sorry, Annie, if you ever listen to this. But she literally wrote the word just hey. like every uh, every fifth <laughs> word. It's like, I just pray Aww. that you just bless him and that he just knows that he's your son.
1: And it was really sweet. But That's cool. I, I always liked Annie.
0: Yeah, she's great.
1: Annie was great. She is. She was. She is to come. Those TTM girls
0: scared me. Oh, man. Those TTM girls <laughs> were something else.
1: Never cross a girl who is. Listen, word of advice to all the kids who ever decide to go or date people from... A Franciscan do not cross a TTM girl. I once had a girl in TTM that I thought was friends with me, not speak to me for a year because I never called one of her household sisters back when I left a message on her phone implying I was going to ask ask her out. And I just never um, called her back. So she never talked to me. The thing was I never asked this girl back out because I was still too heartbroken over another girl. Mm,
0: mm. You know what we just did there? We just started talking mm-hmm. about an inside Franciscan thing, alienating <laughs> everyone else. TTM means totus maria. It is a female household. A household is kind of like a Catholic sorority or fraternity. And the TTMers back in the ancient of days were terrifying human beings that were incredibly gorgeous and incredibly awesome. But before
1: I go over to the projects after the fop, I'm going to stop by the port. <laughs>
0: Listen, seriously, give us a five-star rating on iTunes and write, this was the most important podcast I've ever heard, or something along those lines. We read this, but I'm not going to read it if it's a one-star review. You know why? Because I have no self-esteem. Listen, people, we
1: have four more weeks of being eligible on the new and noteworthy. Keep that going.
0: Yes, yes.
1: I'll be honest. That That was pretty cool. Thank you guys. That was really awesome. Thank you for all the reviews and listening. that got. We were all. If you guys don't know this, we were on the new and noteworthy for iTunes over religion and spirituality. Which for us guys who listen to tech podcasts for a long time, that was freaking great. Yeah, yeah.
0: So thank you all. Uh, we will talk to you later. Tell the nice people goodbye, Luke.
1: Goodbye, guys. Thank you.
0: Bye, bye.
1: bye.